Today on Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, Youngstown. Everybody, you're listening to Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet. This is the podcast where we talk about every Bruce Springsteen song alphabetically one by one. My name's Rob Car- <laughs> My name is I almost said Rob Clark. My name is Rob Carmack, <laughs> which has been my name my whole life. And that guy over there is JB Clark, who's been doing this What's podcast going on? for three and a half years with me. How's it going? Bob Bob Blah Blah. Blah blah blah. Blah 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 blah. Man, that huh. we were off to a weird start. We had technical difficulties i'm forgetting my last name who who knows where this is gonna go jb we've so we've been like the last 30 minutes just sort of like rambling to the mic at each other talking about uh audio compression and what file types we should use for this because we've been doing yeah we've been doing this three and a half years we're like almost yeah, to the yeah, finish line yeah. and all of a sudden our, our software is like mm, not so fast let's 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 not make it feel like this is easy we're about to record like the last couple and we were lamenting it and uh, I'm like I said we're totally different men now Rob I mean we live in different homes we have more children than when we started and then I was like kind of got sad <laughs> yeah we've lived a lot of life off- these last three and a half years yeah 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 man more than three and a half I mean we're like it's just a couple of months shy of four years that we've been doing this so we have it's crazy anyway we still have this episode and then one more week's worth of episodes to go. So counting this episode, we have three more episodes proper before we have to begin talking about what, what comes next. So let's, uh, let's talk about we Youngstown. We really draw this one out because I couldn't stop reading about the city of Youngstown, Ohio. <laughs> I was going to say, we could do a seriously deep dive if we were inclined to do so. So, let, so we, we really do have to just get right into it because this, this song has... Well, really, we we could this episode could go as long as we wanted it to. There's yeah. so much to talk about. So, as as you start most of your sermons, there's a lot of ground to cover. We have to get started. Yes, and we have to go quickly. So I implore you that we must like. I'm begging. Buckle you. up. <laughs> um, all right. So this song is Youngstown. This comes from the 1995 album, The Ghost of Tom Joad. This is, I think, at this point, it kind of goes without saying. This is our last song from The Ghost of Tom Joad. We've after sure today, is. we will have covered the whole album. And, uh, man, I talk about saving the best for last. This is, in my opinion, this is the second best song on this album after the title track. So, um, really, I I I think think I like it better than the ghost of Tom Jones. Yeah. I mean, I, I would not blame you for liking this better than ghost. I mean, and really looking at my like overall Springsteen ratings they're they're only separated by like five songs. Like they're yeah. very close to each other. This is just, just so everybody, I, I, I mentioned a couple episodes ago that I've done my top 100, like my definitive top 100 Bruce Springsteen rankings. And I'll eventually we'll share those. Um, but this is number 34 on my top 100. So it's, um, it's high. Wow. Yeah. So, so that's what this song is. It is, it was last played live in Auckland, New Zealand on February 25th, 2017. And I have that show. I, I downloaded that show from the, the the website that houses all of Bruce's archives. And this is one of the highlights on that entire set list. And so it's a big set list. But that I would argue this is one of those highlights. And any time, and we'll, I know we'll talk about the Live from New York City cut of this song uh, at some point. Th- this song, any time Bruce includes this song in a set list, it always becomes like a major highlight of the show. It's It's very, very good. Yes. And uh, let's see. The song was covered. It's really well done two ways. Oh, you mean like on the album and then live? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. I, I, and this is one of the songs like it's really good on the album. It's better live. Right. But and it's we, not. It, it's it's really, really good on the album. Yes, it is. Yeah. That's to yeah. take nothing away from the album. It just It's yet another 
example of why Bruce is amazing live that he can take yeah. a song that's already this good and elevate it. Hands so, down live. Is, it is astronomically better. But. Yeah. And we'll talk about why as we get into the music, but um, so yeah, the, the last time the song was played was in Auckland. Uh, it's been covered by the stairwell sisters, blue moon rising and show of hands. And those are three bands I've never heard of before, but they've all done covers of this song. The song was and it. This is fun. Uh, the song Youngstown, Ohio, as you mentioned before, is a real town. It's a real place. And the song was very popular in the town of Youngstown itself. And it was frequently played in 1995 when the album came out. This song was frequently played on local radio stations in Youngstown. And Bruce actually made well, a point. Of course of, it was. Yeah. In, in fact, Bruce made a point of playing in Youngstown on his 1996 tour for this album. Which, I mean, you may not know this, but Youngstown, Ohio is not like a booming metropolis where like every, every major act does not just have to go through Youngstown. It's it not, is a lot closer to Tupelo than it is to Dallas. In, ter- in terms of like size. and Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's definitely. I mean, if you're going to play. It's not that bigger. It's. <laughs> Yeah, not a whole lot bigger than like Tupelo and you know it's sort of immediate surroundings. Yeah, I mean if you're gonna play in Ohio, you're gonna play Columbus, you're gonna play Cincinnati, you're gonna play Cleveland, you're probably not gonna play Youngstown. Uh, but Bruce made a point. To yeah, make sure that's that this a lot was on of cities tour. to play in a small space too. So like you're definitely not adding another small town to it. No, well, and I mean I guess it is good that like th- this tour was smaller venues, so Youngstown could probably support this tour versus like the stadium rock tours that Bruce usually goes on, you know? Yeah. And it, I mean, like it cannot be, uh, overlooked that he, more people come to work in Tupelo every day than currently live in Youngstown. What, what is the current population of Youngstown, Ohio? It's like, uh, I have it. I, I know I you it. do. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> it's 66,000. It was 66,982 during the 2010 census. They estimate that it's dropped down to 64, like just under 65 by last year. Oh, wow. When they did the um, most recent new census estimations. Well, while Bruce was on tour, while he was in Youngstown, the mayor, whose name was Patrick Ungaro, gave him the key to the city. So all you got to do is write a song about your town. One thing in Youngstown, that's not even that's not even like a hypothetical. That key opens everything. (laughs) Yeah, it opens the bank. It opens the courthouse. Everything opens the furnace, which is that's young. And the furnace is important in Youngstown. Mm hmm. That's how it started. Well, that's yeah. They built the blast furnace right there. The blast um, furnace. Um, all right. So those are sort of the overall basic facts of the song. And uh, yeah, man, let's talk about music first, and then we'll get into sort of the surround, like the town and the the lyrics and everything that kind of goes along with it. So the song was recorded June sixteenth, nineteen ninety five. Most of this album is solo acoustic stuff, but this is a full band track. It actually stands out as one of the only full band tracks on the album. And the the personnel, the people who you're hearing, you've got Susie Tyrell on violin. Jim Hansen on bass, Gary Malibur on drums, drums, uh, Chuck Plotkin on keyboards, who would go on to, or actually who had previously been the producer on Tunnel of Love, and uh, Marty Rifkin on pedal steel guitar. That's who you're hearing. Now, JB, tell me what you're hearing. So it's, it's um, really nice, just sort of blending of bass, strings, and pedal steel, mm-hmm. um, and the acoustic kind of you know, filtering through that and the bass really carrying it. It's, it's so, there's a lot of lament. It's so longing. Well, that violin is carrying a lot of weight. Oh, so much weight. Yeah. Yeah. He's doing, doing a lot of, a lot of work here. Yeah. It's a big sort of piece of Americana. 
performance. You know what I mean? Like it's pretty folky, pretty. It could it could just be any it could be any sort of song about missing the town you're from. Like it, it could be this kind of feels like a song that could be about like Harlan County, Kentucky. You know? Yeah. Or like uh, Amarillo, Texas. This is in that vein of song. Yeah, and which is kind of funny because a lot of this, and we'll talk about this when we get into the lyrics. A lot of the lyrics are very specific and like accurate, like detailed, accurate. But this is one of those things about storytelling, which is a lot of times when you get into specifics, it kind of highlights the generalities. And so by talking about all these very specific things, he's he's sort of drawing like common ground with other towns who did other similar things. You know, he's saying like the struggle is this very like this very specific place has been through a struggle. But by naming that struggle, what I'm doing is I'm I'm creating sort of a common bond between this place and other places who have had not this exact struggle but similar struggles, right? Right. So, and again, we'll talk about that when we get into the into the lyrics. So, yeah, man. So it's it's lamenting. It's not. I, I wouldn't call it upbeat, but it's not as like low and stripped down as most of the other stuff on this record. You mentioned before that you really like the uh, the live version from the 2000 show in new york city which i i totally agree that is from i think yeah, i think it's, it's at madison square garden it, it, that is such a good cut of that song it's the best it's the best cut of the song i think there is well in, in in the studio you hear Susie tyrell playing the violin but live there's still the violin but you also have sort of the layering of danny federici on accordion which mm-hmm. makes it feel bigger it makes it feel more campfirey, i guess um like there's more musicians sort of like sitting around playing together and then and there's really nice guitar accordion interplay yes very much so well and then you mentioned before like nils in the live versions of this song just rips a solo right through the whole of the universe this may be his like so his defining solo maybe more so than um because the night i think you're right i I think this is i and maybe it's just because i've heard because the night a lot more than this at, at live shows but i i almost prefer this to it. i think i think nils is turning an a plus work here. Or maybe like because the night's the final, but this is like the syllabus. Well, because the night is very showy, you know, like yeah. it's a very showy solo. But this is, I mean, this is a big solo and it's a very well done solo. But it's not as showy as as the because right. the night show, solo is. It's so it's so good, and it sort of covers his whole. It has like this like hints of Jeff Beck and uh, something, and also kind of like the. the sort of structure of his of his runs kind of sound like something you would hear like in a stoner jam band set mm-hmm. but the tone is like arena rock honed in with these like big whiffs of like eric johnson <laughs> you know like cliffs of dover yeah <laughs> like these like cliffs of dover dives that he's doing he's doing like some tapping like he's doing some some very like black sabbathy stuff and some very like <laughs> arena rock stuff and i don't know man it's cool man it's, it's just it's a really good sounding song on the album, and again, like the live versions of this song, everyone that I've listened to, and I've listened to a few, they're they're all so so good. This is yeah. this is one of those gems. Like an E Street, the E Street band does this song really really well. Yeah, and Neil's like every Neil's uh, Lofgren guitar solo you'll hear, you hear like uh, you hear a bit of it in this one. He covers, he kind of he does everything he can do in this one. He pulls out all his tricks. Yeah, he does. There's a there's probably a video we're gonna share on the Facebook page when this comes out, uh, of like the performance you're talking about, the Madison Square Garden performance. It zooms in on his hands and you just get to see him kind of work and it's <laughs> it's awesome. He's so good. <laughs> I mean, I realize it's not a hot take, but Nils is a really good guitar player. <laughs> I don't know if we've mentioned that before, but Nils is great. Right. 
Well, I mean, he can sort of get overshadowed by the personalities in the band sometimes. Well, yeah, and he's he's one of three. Like he's he's up there with Bruce Springsteen, who is also an incredible guitar player, right, and little Stephen Van Zandt, who's yeah, also a really all good guitar three player. really great guitar players. Yeah, who all have like distinct styles that people know. It's not like I know what the bass player for Death Cab sounds like because I listen to tons of Death. Cab. It's like a lot of people know what Nils Lofgren, Bruce Springsteen, and Stephen Van Zandt sound like when they play guitar. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if if the reason he so like naturally fits in on this song is because he previously had worked with Neil Young, and to me this could this could easily be a Neil Young song. Oh, there's some crazy horse like band elements here for sure. Absolutely, and so like I I wonder if given the opportunity to play the solo live, if Nils was like, oh okay, this feels very familiar to me. This this yeah this harkens back to my my days in Crazy Horse playing for Neil Young. Um, yeah, because I could totally hear like. I, I could totally hear a version of this song done by Neil Young, which would sound really good, I think. Well, Neil Young was like a very much walking that line between uh, folky Americana and like, what's the word I'm looking for? Rock and roll? No, I mean, like, yeah, rock and roll, but sort of like trippy. Like psychedelic? Yeah, psychedelic is the word I'm looking for. I don't know why. I was like, psychoanalyst? No. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's definitely like the fine line between sort of folk and Americana and sort of psychedelic rock and roll. Yeah. And that's what Nils is like. That's what Nils is good at. He really, I mean, yeah, there's a, re- there's a reason he fit in with Neil Young as an artist. And there's a reason why Bruce called him when he first invited him to join the E Street Band. Like, he, yeah, he, he knows well, what he's artists, looking for. Art is the right word. Like, there's a lot of great musicians who like play psychedelic music, but like he has this sort of psychedelic artistry. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. Where he sort of makes sense of a, of a, a genre that can sometimes be silly. Yeah. Um, he really makes sense of it. And, and gets it and is incredible it really is well is there any other thing on the music end of this that we need to mention i love the way it starts uh like the melody and the way he talks Mm -hmm. he's just he's kind of got that um him and bon jovi both do this sort of like the tone of voice that they have in the first verse is almost talking enough that they're sort of saying like i'm gonna tell you a true story (laughs) like sit down i'm about to tell you a true story and uh him and bon jovi both do that and I love that. In the live version, before the guitar solo, he yells the word hell for 10 whole seconds. It's 10 whole seconds. Yeah. If you don't believe me, go watch it. It's from like it's from the four minute mark to the four minute and 10 second mark. <laughs> yeah, man. It's well, and yeah, it, he really like he can. It seems like he's really feeling the song. That's I think that's one of the things that gives the song its power when he does it live. It's that he really like he, he really takes a big bite out of it. And seriously, the Nils uh, Lofgren guitar solo that follows it is one of the best guitar solos that's ever been played on a guitar. It's very good. We'll we'll post that cut of the show from the Madison Square Garden show. And, uh, just like like JB said, like if you want to, you want to hear. Bruce I mean, am I right? Growl. Is that like is that like a monumental, earth shattering guitar solo, or is that just like a, a really great guitar player playing really well? I mean, yes, can both be true at the same time. But I mean, like it feels important to me. I think so. I, I think I think it's not without. It, yeah, I, I think I think it is a noteworthy guitar solo, even for someone as good as Nils. I, I, I it think feels it like is. you're replicable. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, I think so. It's not like a guitar solo you can go learn. All right, are we ready to move to, uh, toward like lyrics and content? Yeah, let's do. It. All right, let's do lyrics and content before before. Okay, and we haven't even talked about Youngstown yet. I know. Well, and uh, I wanted to talk about the guitar solo. <laughs> I know. Well, before we before we get into the lyrics, I I haven't done this before, but I I wanted to like because Brian Hyatt has this book uh, called Bruce Springsteen, the song, the stories behind the songs. And I, 
I, I was looking at the, the entry on Youngstown, and it's so interesting. And rather than just, like, mention part of it, I was just going to read it. So um, I'll, I'll just read this, and then we can look at the lyrics, and we can sort of... Because there's a lot going on here. So anyway, uh, here's, here's where it starts. This is uh, on page 195, for the, if you have a hymnal, and, uh, of Brian Hyatt's <laughs> book, for those at home. Uh, so this is what he says. He says, Dale Ma- uh, Maridge wrote, quote, The history of steel... In Mahoning County, or I'm sorry, in Mahoning Valley is the history of America, end quote. In Journey to Nowhere, the saga of the new underclass is a 1985 book with photographer Michael Williamson. Quote, the dead steel mills stand as pathetic mausoleums to the decline of American industrial might that was once the envy of the world. End quote. Springsteen bought the book when it first came out and in a moment fraught with symbolism, tucked it away on a shelf. One sleepless night, late into the Jode sessions, Springsteen picked up the book and read, read it in a single sitting. He was subsequently inspired to write Youngstown and The New Timer, drawing images and details from the book's terrifying chronicle of post-industrial America. He plugged back into the wellspring of his inspiration, picking up where my hometown, Factory, and the populist fury of his mid-'80s song Seeds left off. Quote, what Hitler couldn't do, they did it for him. Uh, they did it for him, end quote. A former st- mill worker, Joe Marshall, told Maridge, a line that ended up almost verbatim in Youngstown, as did a litany of decline in the book that runs, quote, from Mahogan, sorry, Monagahela Valley of Pennsylvania, sorry, I butchered that, to the Masabi Iron Range of Minnesota and the coal fields of Appalachia. There's a passage where steelworkers are, quote, staring into hell, and hell is beautiful. But Springsteen did additional research, beginning his song with the story of James and Dan Heaton, who built Hopewell Furnace, yeah, who built Hopewell Furnace, and introduced iron making into the town in 1802 and 1803. So, like, Bruce read this book that he bought in 1985, and while he was working on this material, he, like, picked up the book again and read it all in one sitting. And specifically, like, the details surrounding, like, the creation of this town really spoke to him. So that's sort of where all that comes out of it. So um, so the song tells the origin of the or, or tells the story of the origin and fall of Youngstown, Ohio, which again, as we mentioned before, yeah. is a real town. So that as we read this, like a lot of times Bruce like creates like towns and atmospheres and, and environments out of whole cloth. But here he's like he's basically like written a history of this town into this song. So Yeah, and he's really written it in, man. Yeah, he really has. Like I mean yeah. every town should be so lucky as to have Bruce like basically write a theme song for it. You know? So I realize uh, like it's not because it's lucky. I realize it's because it's it's suffered tremendously but like it, it yeah. is interesting and it's cool and we'll talk about it a little bit later but you just kind of read the passage about daniel and james heaton yes the fact that he refers to them as Jam- james and danny i love the way that and i'm working ahead a little bit right now but i love the way that that makes them like they hadn't always been two men who had founded a city you know what i mean yeah he, he turns them into the once, mythical figures that they probably should be yeah they were one but they were all they were at that time they weren't these mystical figures they were just like the fact that he shortens Daniel to Danny, yeah. you know, like that does so much. Yeah, you're right. It's very humanizing. And that's the first verse, so let's just do it. All right. Yeah, here we go. Sorry, let's, I skipped ahead. No, no, no. You're good. Because, I mean, they're, they're named in the first verse. So uh, it says, this is the first verse. It says, here in Northeast Ohio, back in 1803, James and Dan Heaton found the ore that was lying in Yellow Creek. They built a blast furnace here along the shore, and they made the cannonballs that helped the Union win the war. I lo- that line right there is very that gives me chills. They built the cannon, they made the cannonballs that helped the Union win the war. Like, there's a very specific that's, local pride about that. Yeah, that's the story people tell when they drive past the furnace with their kids in the car. Yeah, yeah, like that's the story people tell here whenever they have kids and they're and they're driving home from school. 
uh, down Main Street and they're, you know, and they're having a bad day and they don't have much money and they're not sure they're going anywhere and they look up and they say, Elvis bought his first guitar there for less than a buck. And that's what they say in Youngstown. When they, you know, when they drive past the blast furnace, they say that's where they made the cannonballs that helped the Union win the war. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that that's such a rich historical detail to throw in. Because, like, what's one of those things, like, when you think about the Civil War, there's a lot of things you think about before you start asking, like, who made the weapons? You know, who who made the, the artillery? You know, like, that's, yeah. and, like, that was, that was an act of what was seen as, like, an act of patriotism. And that was how people survived during this time. They had to make cannonballs. Well, and it's such a, the cannonballs that's mm-hmm. such a um they, they weren't like uh making band-aids for the doctors that you know they were making cannonballs they won the war with these they weren't yeah. this was not they were not a supporting piece you would argue the cannonballs are as important as the people shooting them you know what i mean yeah like go fill the army without any cannonballs especially you know, at that time just as effective as filling the cannonballs without the army it's cool uh, it's a cool detail that he puts in yeah that such song. a cool detail so then you've got the chorus where it says, here in Youngstown, here in Youngstown, my sweet Jenny, I'm sinking down, here darling in Youngstown. And then you get a little interlude, and then it goes back into the second verse, which is, well, my daddy worked the furnaces, kept him hotter than hell. I come home from Nam, worked my way to, to Scarfer, a job that would suit the devil as well. Taconite, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, yeah. Taconite coke and limestone, fed my children and make me pay. Them smokestacks reaching like the arms of God into a beautiful sky of soot and clay. Oh my God. This is so, yeah, dude. this is such good writing. Keep the furnaces hotter than hell. A job that would suit the devil as well. Yeah. Coming home from Nam, he comes home from Nam to go and work in the furnaces. Yeah. There's a scarfer, which is like someone who just like works with a torch hot enough to like reform steel or you know iron like rocks like taconite limestone so um, and, and what's interesting he names two wars you know like the first verse it's about the civil war and the second verse it's about the vietnam war and yeah. and like the identity is sort of like the the identity of the town is connected to the furnace and the furnace is connected to the history of war in this country you know like that's interesting yeah i think also like the civil war he's gonna name another war later too and only one of those wars, like, sort of in, historically is not thought of, like, nobly. No, yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, they're and all, they're all like, tragic war. in their own kind of way. But they, they went off and fought, like, noble wars and came home and worked in the factory, right? Yeah. And, like, he comes home and fights a war that maybe he's not proud of or appreciated for and goes to work in the furnace, or does he? Yeah, I mean, when this, this could be the same character as in Born in the USA, you know, come yeah, back home like, to the like, refinery, hire a man says, if it was up to me. Well, it's like, go fight the good fight and then come home just like your dad, just like your grandpa, you know, just like who, everybody before you come home and build something with your hands. Yeah. You know, it's a hard job for a good day's pay. And that's the promise he's seen lived out and been told his whole life. That's right. Yeah. That's not what he gets. No. Um, which I mean, that's very that's very Bruce Springsteen. That's very consistent with with the Bruce Springsteen s- storytelling. All right, then the next verse says, "Will my daddy come to? O- I'm sorry. Will my daddy come on the Ohio works when he come home from World War II? Another war, like you said. Now the yards just scrap and rubble." He said, "Them big boys did what Hitler couldn't do," which is a great line, and apparently that line is lifted from the book. So basically, like. Um, Hitler, Hitler was attempting to like break our spirits and defeat us, and he couldn't do it. But the uh, the economy can do it, you know, um, or the you know the big bosses. Then it says uh, these mills they built the tanks and bombs that won this country's wars. We sent our sons to Korea and Vietnam. Now we're wondering what they were dying for here in Youngstown. 
So yeah, I mean, did you just read that straight through? Yeah. Okay, cool. Because I lost you the whole way through it, and I was just like, I lost you, I lost you. Oh no, yeah, I, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I stopped for a second to talk about the line. Then big boys did what Hitler couldn't do, and how just like okay, that, the, that's where I lost you. Yeah, so because the the idea there that you know if if the objective of your enemy in war is to like break your spirits and destroy your your way of life, like yeah, the, the Nazis weren't able to do that, but the economy and the big bosses can do it. You know. Yeah. Then here in Youngstown, the final verse starts from the Mon- Monongahela, Monongahela, from the Monong, from the Monongahela. Jeez, why can't I say this word? Help uh, I think me. it's probably the Monongahela. Monga- okay, thank you. From the Monongahela Valley to the Masabi Iron Range to the coal mines of Appalachia, the story's always the same. Seven hundred tons of metal a day. Now, sir, you tell me the world's changed. Once I made you rich enough, rich enough to forget my name. Ooh, that cuts right sorry, to you. Sorry, I left you hanging on Monong, uh, Monongahela. That's <laughs> I good. just kept thinking like he's got, he's gonna get it on this one. No, uh, I was no. like, I was rooting for you. My my brain for some reason doesn't want to make that kind of connection. But um, right. that line, once I made you rich enough, rich enough to forget my name. Man, yep. dude, I like, made your money for me, and then you forgot who I was. That's right, man. And then you get the chorus again, and then finally the outro, the final verse is: "When I uh, die, I don't know, want no part of heaven. I would, I would not do heaven's work well. I pray the devil comes and takes me to stand in the fiery furnaces of hell." And then that guitar solo flickers like a flame, man. Yeah, it does. Mm. Yeah, it does. Like the like the fire in the refinery in, in those furnaces. So. Dude, th- I mean, this is such a good song. And again, we, we've t- already sort of talked a lot about it already. But this is the history of the song as seen through. Basically, it's like these are these are the hands that built America, and these are the these are the hands that made made the weapons that won the wars. And and at the end of it all, what were we what were we dying for? Because you know, w- once once you had what you needed from us, we were we were thrown into the trash and forgotten. And that's a it's a very real American story. And Bruce. As as famous and wealthy as Bruce gets, he never seems to remove himself from that narrative, from the reality of that, and that's that's yeah. why people love him like they do. Oh, okay. Introducing the song in Youngstown when when Bruce went to Youngstown in 1996 and performed this song, this is what he says. He says to to the crowd into the microphone. He says, "This is about the men and women who lived in this town and who built this country. It's about the people who gave their sons and daughters to the wars that were fought and who were later declared expendable." And then he adds. You get into tricky territory when you write a song about someone's hometown. You don't want to get it wrong. And apparently, after the show, Bruce was so relieved that the performance had gone well that he actually changed his travel plans and stayed an extra day to visit all these historic sites in the area. And that's why he's the freaking boss, JB. Because, like, he was was worried. He, He went to Youngstown and played in front of a crowd that all bought tickets to come and see him. And when he gets to the song, he's like, I really hope you guys like this. You know, like he's he's worried that that they're not gonna like the song, and he's so yeah. touched by how they receive it that he stays in town an extra day and like sees the town. Yeah, I think all right. So this is what separates I think Bruce from a lot of influential people in the world. Like Bruce speaks to people, but he still lets people in the world around him speak back. That's absolutely true. That's a really good way to put it. And a lot of people don't. A lot of people close their ears at some point. Yeah. Or I mean, we talked a lot. Uh, maybe not on this podcast, but I've I've spoken a lot in my other my other job in my sermons about sort of like what happens that what's psychologists refer to as an empathy deficit which is what happens when you become cert, a certain level of rich or powerful or removed from the suffering of other people is you 
you sort of lose track of what it means to suffer. And like the, the idea that people who have less than you are doing the best they can and still struggling. Like that, that's hard for people to understand once they've succeeded to a certain degree. And there's sort a lot of the curse, the curse of civilization, like of, it becomes empire. The curse of power is that civilization becomes empire. Yeah. Yeah. And it becomes, it becomes harder and harder for someone who's like a CEO to really have any sort of empathic response to the needs of the janitor in their office building. And yeah. the, the thing that Bruce has somehow found out how to do is to never fall prey to the empathy deficit. He always seems to, like you said, like he, he speaks to people, but the, but first other people, he allows other people to speak to him, which is, I, mean, I, I would argue that that is a high, high virtue for anybody, but especially somebody who is as successful and wealthy and famous as Bruce is. Yeah, dude, this is, it's very powerful and it's very profound what he, what he's doing in this song. Do you, do you have other thoughts on like the content or the lyrics here? Not specifically. Any fun um, facts about Youngstown you want to add before we do our ratings? Uh, for sure. Okay. Hit us with a call. All right, so check this out. Let's go back to the population conversation. Okay. Youngstown was about 300 people in 1820, right? Okay. It was founded... Founded in 1803, right? 1803, that's right. So it was it was not a brand new city, but it was a young city. It was a young and town. And then it grew. Yeah, it was very... <laughs> there we go. In 1850, it grew like by 300% to 2,000 people. And then another 200 in 1870... And then another hundred and eight, 1890. So now we're up to like 30,000, 40,000, which is pretty big back then. Mm-hmm. And then 1910, this is when it really like, it goes to 70, it goes to 80,000. And then in the next, it, next uh, decade, it grows to 132, and then 170,000 by 1930. Wow. So it grew fast. And when were the, when were the, when was the furnace built? Was that in 1910? It says 1803. The furnace? That's oh, what, I mean, that's what the, the song says. It was in 1803. Never mind. I'm sorry. I had that wrong. That's when it really blew up. The city really blew up then in 1910-ish. No, in 1920 as well. It, well it, of course it wouldn't have. It, of course it wouldn't have been there in 1910. They, they had to have been there and established for that growth to happen. Well, I mean, just the industry grown around it, but it's not different industry. It's all just steel industry, and it it uh, 1930 is sort of when the bubble burst. Uh, I mean, there's still, you know, 168,000 people there in the 50s and 60s, but then now there are only 60,000 people there. It is huh. like a third of what it once was. Well, in the, that boom, the 1910 to 1920, like the thing that happens in that span of time is World War One, And so if we're... That's right. They're producing tanks and planes and... Yeah. Yeah, if this if this is where we're building or where we're, we're uh, manufacturing artillery, then yeah, like wartime would probably create jobs in, in in a place like Youngstown. Yeah, man, how many blast furnaces do you give this song? Uh, five. Yeah, five blast same. Furnaces. I think this is an easy five. This is this a honestly like the live version could be a garbage song, and I'd give it like four for that solo. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I mean it. It's such a good song, and I feel like we've definitely sung the song's praises a lot. But it's—I can't overemphasize how good and powerful, and I mean, really impactful this song is to people who are listening. You know, and and I—I I really love that story about how Bruce goes to Youngstown and he performs the song, and he's—he articulates like a little bit of nervousness, like I really hope you guys, I hope this means something to you guys, because like I. I want, I want, I want you to like the song. This, it, this, this song is because I mean, it'd be easy for him to not even think about it. Just use Youngstown as just a prop, you know. Right. And instead, he like goes there, and he, at some level, he decided like this. The history of this town is is about something bigger than just this well, town. It, but I want this town admit, to feel seen, you know. It meant something to him. Yeah, 
It did. So, uh, yeah, man. Youngstown is a, is a good one. So, JB, we have two episodes to go. Two. That's it. And two. then that's in. That's the end forever. Well, for not little, quite. Everybody everybody, calm down. Not the end forever. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk at the end of our final episode in this run. We'll, we'll talk about what's coming next. But um, until then, you can catch up and be ready for our next episode at the beginning of next week. And the ne- next episode is going to be the song Your Own Worst Enemy. And that's what we'll be talking about next time. You know, until then, you know, keep them viruses, viruses, keep them furnaces burning.